Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, ghosts are probably the last thing that comes to mind when you think about Washington, D.C. and the historical structures that distinguish it from other cities. And that's probably why it flies under the radar when the nation's most haunted cities are discussed. But make no mistake, the nation's capital is rife with history, and the ghosts that reside there make this city one of America's most haunted. This is episode number 73 of Hometown Ghost Stories, Ghosts of the Capital, Washington, D.C. November 22nd, 1963, Washington, D.C. Mary checked her watch as she returned to the Capitol building from her lunch break. 1.15 p.m. She had to hurry down to the basement of the building to gather some paperwork before heading back to her boss's office. She had to go to a different coffee shop today because her usual was closed for renovations. Now... She was running ten minutes late, something that her boss was sure to remind her of, and not in a polite manner. She hurried down the steps and down the long hall to the record room. She pushed open the heavy wooden door and moved along the columns of records, looking for the necessary section. Suddenly, she felt something brush against her leg, causing her to jump. Mary spun around, just in time to see something small, black, and furry scurry across the floor and around the corner. A cat, she thought to herself. Not having time to consider the unlikelihood of that, she returned to her quest for the records. She found the section containing the records she needed and opened the file cabinet drawer. She retrieved her folder and slammed the drawer shut. As she did so, she heard a hissing sound from behind her. Startled, she spun around, dropping the files all over the floor. Damn it, she cursed out loud. But as she bent down to scoop them up, she found herself face to face with a large black cat. It opened its mouth, baring its fangs, and hissed again. It seemed much larger than the one she had witnessed moments ago. She slowly backed away from it, recognizing its aggressive disposition. The cat didn't move, just kept its mouth open as if it were sneering at her. She quickly scooped up the papers and fled the room. Over by the stairs, she ran into a co-worker who asked if she was alright, clearly noticing her panicked state. Mary explained what happened, immediately regretting it and feeling stupid as she retold what seemed so terrifying at the time, but was surprisingly met with sympathy from her co-worker. That might have been DC, her co-worker said. What? Mary asked. Her co-worker laughed. It's short for Demon Cat. It supposedly appears before a national crisis. It showed up before Lincoln was assassinated, and again before the stock market crashed in 1929. Hopefully it's not another premonition, she joked before heading back down the hall, chuckling. 
Mary checked her watch. 1.25 p.m. President Kennedy was in Dallas, miles away from the demon cat. She assumed he and his motorcade were probably safe from the potentially evil feline apparition and chalked it up as coincidence. So many superstitious rumors, she thought. Who believes in that stuff anyways? I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Washington, D.C. Founded in 1790, the nation's capital has been a dynamic city with plenty of highs and lows to match its place in American history. Founded on July 16, 1790, Washington, D.C. is unique among American cities because it was established by the Constitution of the United States to serve as the nation's capital. President George Washington chose the exact site along the Potomac River, and the city was officially founded in 1790, after both Maryland and Virginia ceded land to this new district to be distinct and distinguished from the rest of the states. Washington chose French-American military engineer Pierre-Charles Lafont to design the basic plan for the capital city, and he drew up a grid system with the capital building at its center. During the War of 1812 against Great Britain, Washington, D.C. was nearly completely destroyed. British forces invaded the city and burned many of the buildings to the ground, including the Capitol Building, the Library of Congress and all of its books, and the White House. After the devastation, the city remained relatively small, not expanding its size until the Civil War. Slaves owned in Washington were emancipated on April 16, 1862, nine months before the Emancipation Proclamation, and it therefore became a hub for freed slaves. After the war, the capital city went through a period of substantial growth, eventually absorbing nearby Georgetown and surrounding rural areas beyond LaFont's original plans. After more than 200 years as the nation's capital, Washington has developed as a complex and layered city with a distinctive character and a history rich with both positive and negative events, lots of which have led to many of its locations supposedly being haunted. The most famous haunted location in the nation's capital is of course 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the White House. Presidents, First Ladies, White House staff members, and guests have all reported feeling ghostly presences, hearing unexplained noises, and even running into actual apparitions. In 1946, President Harry Truman quoted in a letter to his wife, This damned place is haunted sure as shootin'. A year later, just two months into his first term, he wrote, I sit here in this old house and work on foreign affairs, read reports, and work on speeches all the while listening to the ghosts walk up and down the hallway, and even right here in the study. The floors pop and the drapes move back and forth. I can just imagine old Andy and Teddy having an argument over Franklin. Abigail Adams and her husband John, the second president of the United States, moved to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue from the former U.S. Capitol in Philadelphia. At the time, Washington, D.C. was still just a town, built mostly on swampy lands on the banks of the Potomac River. After moving in and a fair amount of consideration, Abigail determined that the East Room was the best room to hang the laundry up to dry, since it was the warmest and the driest. She
She did this for the entire four years they lived there, 1797 to 1801. Now, her ghost, clad in a cap and lace shawl, is reportedly seen heading towards the East Room, arms outstretched as if carrying laundry. In 1961, Lillian Rogers Parks released a memoir about her 30-year career as a White House seamstress. In it, she told an eerie story. In the early 1940s, a valet working for the Franklin D. Roosevelt administration was walking by the Yellow Oval Room when he heard a faint, distant voice. Curious, he approached the closed door and put his ear up to listen. After a moment, he heard it again. It said, I'm Mr. Burns. During Harry Truman's administration, a guard heard a similar voice. Thinking it was the then Secretary of State James Burns, he went looking for him only to learn that the secretary hadn't been at the White House that day. The disembodied voice is believed to belong to the ghost of David Burns, the landowner who sold the government most of the land on which the city of Washington was built. During land negotiations in the 1790s, Burns became the arch-nemesis of George Washington, who needed Burns' land to build the new capital. Burns, reluctant to sell off his land, fought the president every inch of the way, selling his land off little by little for higher and higher prices. History describes Burns as a, quote, very bigoted, choleric Scotchman, fond of controversy and never known to agree with anyone in the slightest particular. Burns eventually sold off most of his land, but waited until 1798, when Washington was no longer president, to sell off the remaining land to private investors. Both Washington and Burns died the same year, but Burns' ghost still resides in the White House that was built on his land. Former President Abraham Lincoln, who was believed to have attended only two of the seances his wife held in the White House, actually foresaw his own death more than once, including in a dream he had shortly before he was killed. His ghost is the most frequently cited ghost of the White House. For more on that haunting, we covered it extensively on our Celebrity Hauntings Abraham Lincoln episode. After the White House was burned during the War of 1812, President James Madison and his wife Dolly moved to the looming mansion known as the Octagon House. The house has a rich history and is largely considered to be the most haunted house in the capital. One location in particular that has a reputation for frequent unexplained activity was the impressive circular stairwell of the house. Many visitors recall feeling cold spots and strange feelings as they ascended or descended the stairwell. The second floor and third floor landings have also been places where specters and paranormal activities may have been reported, according to the residents and even museum staff. Originally, the house was believed to be haunted due to the deaths of the original builders, John and Rebecca Taylor. It was originally believed that they had died in the house, however, that proved not to be true. Skeptics say this disproves the haunting, but this is an example of lazy skepticism since a person doesn't need to die in a place in order to haunt it. The Talos spent a lot of time and energy in the Octagon House, and there very well could be a residual haunting. Other reported paranormal manifestations include pounding on the wall, floating spectral lights, and the inexplicable jangling of servant spells. It's an authenticated fact that every night, at the same hour, all the bells would ring at once, author and socialite Mary Clemmer Ames wrote in 1873. 
Another famous presence that is said to be overstaying her welcome in the home is Dolly Madison herself. She is said to be haunting the Octagon House, as well as other DC landmarks like the White House and the Cuts Madison House, where she lived out her final years. The Hay Adams Hotel sits only a thousand feet from the White House and is about as close as you can get without an invitation. It stands on the land where the homes of John Hay and Henry Adams once stood. In 1927, Washington developer Harry Wardman purchased the property, violently razed the homes, and built a 138-room residential hotel. The hotel opened in 1928 and was named the Hay Adams House, after the names of the homes that originally stood there. Unfortunately, the Great Depression struck a year later, and Wardman was backed into financial hardship. By 1932, he defaulted on the hotel loans and it was sold at a public auction to the Washington Loan and Trust Company. Hotel magnate Julius Manger purchased the property in 1932 and changed the name to the Manger Hay Adams Hotel. He converted it to a hotel for travelers, remodeling the guest rooms and adding the luxury of central air conditioning. Julius Manger breathed his last breath in the residential suite at the Hay Adams, and the building was then purchased by Washington developer Sheldon Magazine, who changed the name back to the Hay Adams Hotel in 1973. Both John Hay and Henry Adams were active statesmen in Washington, D.C. Hay was known for being the private secretary to Abraham Lincoln, and Henry Adams, grandson of John Quincy Adams, was a connoisseur of the arts. Both men were writers. In fact, Hay and Adams were both so prominent in the social scene of the day that the corner they lived on became forever associated with their names, even after their deaths and when their houses stood vacant, falling into disrepair. Henry Adams' wife, Marion Hooper Adams, nicknamed Clover, is one of the lost souls whose ghost is said to haunt the hotel that stands where her house once was. Clover Hooper was born in Boston in 1843 and was primarily raised by her father, Robert, after her mother died of tuberculosis when Clover was only five. She grew up and married Henry Adams in 1872, and the couple moved to Washington five years later. She took up photography in 1883 and spent most of her free time taking and developing photographs. But history tells us she was unhappy. Henry was a known philanderer, and not particularly good at hiding it. He had an unhealthy interest in young women, and it was a certainty that the rumors would find their way back to Clover. In 1885, she fell into a state of depression and was no longer interested in her hobby of photography. In 1885, she fell into a state of depression and was no longer interested in her hobby of photography. On April 13, 1885, Clover's father passed away exacerbating her already deteriorating mental state. On December 6th of the same year, Clover was found by a member of the household, sprawled on the rug in front of the fireplace, with an empty bottle of potassium cyanide nearby, a highly poisonous chemical she used to develop her photographs. In a fit of grief, Henry Adams destroyed all of Clover's things, including her photographs and papers. History recognizes her death as a suicide, but many speculate she may have been murdered by her husband. It's suggested that he poisoned her with cyanide and then destroyed the evidence under the guise of a grief-fueled rage. Henry and Clover are buried together under a monument called Grief, but it's believed that her ghost still haunts the Hay Adams Hotel. 
Staff of the Hay Adams Hotel complain that the ghost of Clover is most active during early December, the anniversary of her death. Reports of doors mysteriously opening and closing on their own, a woman crying softly, and voices of sorrow coming from apparently nowhere. Some housekeepers have also experienced being hugged by an unseen presence. The staff of the hotel say that Clover is most often found on the fourth floor. She has been known to ask, what do you want, and call housekeepers by name. People report the smell of almonds when the spirit of Clover is near. Interestingly, potassium cyanide can be identified by its almond-like smell. One of the most unique paranormal phenomenons of the nation's capital is that of the demon cat. The myth extends from the Capitol building to the White House. When the demon cat appears in a basement, the apparition foreshadows a terrible event. As the tale goes, a White House guard witnessed the demon cat just before the stock market crash in 1929. Allegedly, the cat was spotted again at the Capitol building prior to John F. Kennedy's assassination in 1963. It also appeared before the death of Presidents John Quincy Adams and Abraham Lincoln. Although the demon cat's appearances at the White House cannot be confirmed by a first-hand source, the feline apparition is occasionally listed as one of the most famous ghosts of the executive mansion. Ghosts are probably among the last things that come to mind when people think about Washington, D.C. and the historical buildings that distinguish it. And that's probably why it flies under the radar when the nation's most haunted cities are discussed. But make no mistake, the nation's capital is rife with history, and the ghosts that reside there make this city one of America's most haunted. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 73. Today, we're talking about Washington, D.C. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. And of course, we're talking about demon cats on a Dave episode. That feels right. <laughs> it does sound about right. Uh, resident expert on demon cats is right here with us, and that is Dave Wilkins. Welcome in, Dave. Thank you. Great to be here. And I do like talking about the uh, the ghost pets. They're the most fun. Yeah, we had a, a deep... Uh, dog ghost story from the first person perspective on your last episode mm. now we have a ghost cat in this one not from first person but terrifying nonetheless yeah. and uh it and this is uh one of the popular ones in washington dc is this ghost cat let's first off thank everyone who's hanging out let's thank demon king who just comes in hot with the top donation of the day 21 dollars. we also got donations from the one and only ron meshbesher who came with the ten dollars he's our resident lawyer here at hometown ghost stories and a rare ipa that is definitely not miller light that i've never heard of it donated 20 dollars as well so thank you guys all for those donations and what's up to everyone hanging out in live chat got almost 50 people hanging out here we appreciate all of you i see matthew t taco violator allison v rachel's here anna c papa squatch ricardo everybody else that's hanging out the stephanie's i've seen here kate is here so thank you guys all for hanging out if you also are listening to this episode and you're not tuned in live 
obviously you'd be listening at a different point, not th- this exact moment, but you can join in on the live stream, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday night when we go live. So Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen, this is our second time talking about D.C. last time on a side content episode, and I saw someone on Facebook had mentioned it earlier. They wanted to know more about Lincoln's ghost. We did cover it, as you mentioned in the episode, on a Celebrity Hauntings episode. We covered the ghost of Abe Lincoln. So I can't remember who that was on Facebook that left that comment. I'll scroll back and find it. But uh, but yeah, you can tune in. I believe it was Ralph. So Ralph, if you want to know more about that, just go back in the uh, episodes. It wasn't too long ago, maybe like a month or two ago, that we covered the ghost of Abe Lincoln. We went really into depth on the hauntings there. So right, he was an interesting. He was an interesting haunt. He we could we could probably hit in a few bullet points once we get to that portion. For uh, yeah, but let's start with the demon cat. That's what we're all here for. That's what we're, we're all here, here to talk about this demon cat. All right, so let's go over some of the premonitions I had again, Dave. Why don't you throw some of those out there? Yep. So it came before the. I think the first time it came was before the death of John Quincy Adams. I think that was the first time it was cited in the White House. And so it was a premonition for his death, but they didn't know that at the time. This is like retroactively, they, they put all this together because it's, it showed up again before the stock market crashed in 1929. It showed up before Lincoln was assassinated in 1865. And it showed up before Kennedy's assassination in 1963. and I think one other, but yeah, it's just, it keeps showing up and people see it, you know, before these national crises. Now, every time that it's, that it shows up before a national crisis, it, it shows up in the basement, whether it's the Capitol building or the white house, that's where it's seen for, for some reason, it's always in a basement, but people see it elsewhere. Also, they see it in the white house. They see it upstairs in the Capitol building. Usually when that happens, it's not a premonition, but it's, it's been seen in all sorts of different forms. Allegedly, it grows. Yeah, <laughs> which is we have to talk about this. Which is my favorite part of this, and I kind of like alluded to that in the opening story where she saw it once. Then the second time she saw it, it was a little bit bigger. But rumor has it this thing grows up to the di- the dimensions don't make a lot of sense. But they say it grows up to ten feet by ten feet. All right, let's talk about this gigantic <laughs> fucking square cat. Like. <laughs> Just a 10 foot by 10 foot. There there is no such thing as a 10 foot. Like, so this goes back to people that are like uh, describing people to like the sketch artists for the police. Right. And you're like, and you can see some of these sketches, like, how do they get that? Like, how do they know? Like, like, is someone just in there? Like, yep. And he had 256 hairs on his right eyebrow and 256 on his left. And his nose dimensions were seven by three by two inches. And his lips were seven centimeters dilated and you're like how do they get so good at drawing these sketches where it's like me if someone's like you know can you uh describe what jesse looks like i'd be like oh he's got a beard and hair he's somewhere between four feet and seven feet tall (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know like what do you want me to tell you like how do you and then they somehow still pop out your picture who is going to like this cat how big was it like i don't know like 10 feet by 10 feet is it the fucking bed of a pickup truck what are we doing here i know you're missing a dimension there like (laughs) (laughs) that third dimension is probably important I can't imagine how stressful of a job that is as a sketch artist to try to get like good details out of people yeah. and to come up with a, a sketch that looks like a human being. Never mind a 10 foot by 10 foot cat. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to put out a challenge to all of our listeners. If you guys can make a, a wonder, whoever could draw the best sketch 
of a 10 foot by 10 foot demon ghost cat, you win a, a five pack of hometown ghost story stickers. Maybe we'll even, we'll even make you a custom 10 foot by 10 foot ghost cat sticker and send it to you. We'll, we'll make it out. of Yeah, we'll actually do that because we got to order a new batch anyway. So we'll, we'll make it out of your drawing. So the best drawing, <laughs> we'll vote on it in Discord. Maybe not a 10 foot by 10 foot sticker. Oh, it, won't be, it won't be to scale, but it'll be. <laughs> It'll be 10 inch by 10 inch, but like if you blow it up, you just see a moving truck pull up. You're like, oh, that must be my prize. I must have won the contest. <laughs> yes, I still won the cat. Delivering your drawing and uh, we'll, we'll have Kate, uh, we'll, Dave, we'll have your wife make a, a ceramic life-size version of this. It'll be their next art project. See if that wins any contests. <laughs> well, that's Ralph, Ralph, all... just says, Ralph just says, can I draw my ex-wife? You can. I can't guarantee that'll be the winner, but if we get no other submissions by default, I think that would be the winner of the contest. So please, please, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brodad who prints our stickers says limit on my printer is four feet. So <laughs> we're going to need to uh, set a new tier on Patreon to raise enough money to buy a new printer to be able to print this because it's that important to us. So you can email over your submissions. I'm not even kidding. This is going to be awesome. Email them over to hometown ghost stories at Gmail or send them over on Discord or Twitter or wherever you want to find it. But you know, uh, this, these are people are actually going to send these in and I can't wait. But in all seriousness, a, a, a demon cat that like you come across, if it just starts growing like into the size of a panther as you're looking at it, I mean, that would be terrifying. I'm calling bullshit on this one. Yeah, me way. too. Just well, so it's the one of the witnesses and like the main witness where the where the growing demon cat story comes from came from a drunk who saw it during a drunken stupor. Apparently he woke up in the basement of the Capitol building completely just drunk and saw the cat just looming above his head. And it might've just looked gigantic from his perspective from the floor. So, but I mean, I do like, I do like the story of the demon cat, like giving premonitions. Cause that is a unique spin on one of these stories yeah. where it, it shows up beforehand. So that, I mean, it's cool. I don't think it's real, but I, I, I mean, it's a fun, it's a fun tale. Right. It is. And uh, one of the other things about it that I didn't mention was that it leaves phantom footprints in the concrete in front of the Capitol building when the concrete is wet, like little cat prints show up. It's weird. Pretty cool though. That is interesting. Or could it be just a cat actually walked through it? It could be. So they had, they used to, they don't anymore, but there used to be a rat problem at the Capitol building and they used to just fill the basement with cats. So the cats would catch all the mice. And then once the most problem was solved, they got rid of all the cats, but that was a thing. Yeah. It's, it just sounds like it's more likely than just a cat, but I mean, could be a ghost cat that the whole like Mothman prophecy, moth cat prophecy thing going on here is, is what I find most intriguing is that it's seen right before some sort of a disaster happens, which we'll actually touch on more on next week's episode, a little preview for you guys. So it's not a Mothman episode, but we are covering Chernobyl, which actually has a tie to that. So we will uh, talk about that more next week. But that is very interesting. The interesting thing is when you brought up the Mothman stuff, a moth appeared over your left shoulder. That's that's not uncommon in my house. There are moths. <laughs> yeah, but I just... You usually was... see me usually see me like swiping at the camera trying to kill these one or two moths during the street. <laughs> Having a disco party <laughs> the entire episode. It adds to hometown ghost stories that there's at least one or two murders that happen on screen every episode. It's, you know, we do it for the show. Are these moths what, uh, are they what inspired you to cover the Mothman next week? No, we're only kind of lightly touching on Mothman, but no, they, they do not inspire me to do anything except for murder them. <laughs> you you know it would help you with those moths is if you had a 10 foot by 10 foot demon cat. Yeah. <laughs> this this is this is true. And I'm excited for start it. Start looking yeah. for it right now. 
I shall. <laughs> Ricardo says, don't throw your shoulder out. It doesn't take much. <laughs> it doesn't take much. Chad knows too much about my life. <laughs> because he choose to share it. What are you going to do? Anyways, I decided to cover Washington, D.C. because I made an impromptu trip down to Washington, D.C. last weekend. And mm. I went down to go help my youngest brother move because he lives down there, actually in Virginia, but like a half hour out of the city. And my plan was to go down there and hit a bunch of these locations and then go over to go help him move. But I, he ended up getting out early, picked me up early. So I was only able to go to one location and it was none of the ones that I covered. <laughs> I My plane landed. I got off the plane. I jumped right in an Uber and said, take me directly to the Exorcist steps from the Exorcist movie. And that was my that was my main prerogative and i got there and i hung out at the exorcist steps and that was the only not not seeing your niece or helping your brother move well before <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> it's the only reason i'm here taking me back to the airport <laughs> well i was waiting for seth to come pick me up so once he got there we we left but uh, i did get to see the exorcist steps which were cool and they were expansive i walked down them and i was like this is I was like, that was awesome. Then I had to walk back up them. And I was like, this is awful. Oh, you didn't just have your Uber pick you up at the bottom? I know. I should have called the Uber back. And was like, all right, I made it to the bottom. And I'm way too lazy to climb back up. So I need you to come drive me back to the top. (laughs) I need you to drive me back up to the top of the steps. Exactly. Can you pay an Uber driver extra to pick you up and physically carry you up the steps? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I mean, I would assume so if you offer enough money. Mm. Mm -hmm. Especially at Dave's height. It's just like wearing a backpack. Yeah. Basically, but anyway, so I didn't, uh, I didn't go visit any of the other locations in person, but I still did all the research and there are a lot of very interesting locations and a lot of wild history that led to a lot of these crazy hauntings and the biggest, not like, like size wise, not physically the biggest, but like the main location for all these hauntings is obviously the white house. And this place is just filled with ghosts. We covered about the. The biggest would be the 10 bu- foot by 10 foot. The cat. biggest would be the cat. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Just in sheer size alone, obviously. Yeah. Sheer size, yeah, and legend. But I covered about half of the ghosts that haunt this place in the opening, and there is a lot of other ones that we uh, we didn't talk about. So we could talk about those guys. So Abraham Lincoln, obviously, was uh, an interesting – he's like the, the main ghost that you will encounter at the White House. He's the most popular. He's the most – commonly seen he's been seen by most of the first ladies who have lived there and tons of white house staff have seen him jesse you probably can attest to this because you did all of the research on the abraham lincoln ghost but he's got some pretty interesting paranormal history and like i said like go check out our abraham lincoln episode that we covered on him because it is pretty extensive yeah we covered a whole lot of it and he's seen been seen by not just random people working at the White House, but different presidents, lots of first ladies, just a, t- a ton of people, people that worked at the White House for 30 years and never believed in ghosts until they saw, you know, Abraham Lincoln for themselves. And he's been seen in different kind of forms. Like he's been seen um, full-bodied apparitions. There's been people that just sense his presence in certain rooms. Uh, he obviously haunts the Lincoln bedroom. And we talked about this. It wasn't actually where he slept, but this was basically his office or where he did most of his work, kind of like a meeting room or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he haunts that. He's been seen inside that room, sitting on the bed, putting his boots on. He's been seen laying down in the bed. Um, there's been some cool hauntings. My favorite one, as we talked about, was with um, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. Winston yeah, Churchill. That's yeah. my favorite one, too. Winston Churchill had gotten out of the bath and completely naked. Of course, he still had a cigar in his hand, and he just sees Abe Lincoln leaning against the fireplace. Abe Lincoln just looks at him, and and Churchill just says, uh, 
Hmm, you seem to have me at a disadvantage, sir. I'm sorry, he said. Oh, you seem to have, a, <laughs> seem to have me at a disadvantage, sir. <laughs> and uh, he said the ghost of Abraham Lincoln actually laughed at his, you know, joke, and then he just vanished. And it was, it was uh, something that he he wasn't shy to talk about. So he he went out and announced it. And when you have someone in such a powerful position risking their reputation to say that they saw a ghost at the White House, it just leads to a sense of credibility because why risk sounding like an absolute nutcase? I don't know. Winston Churchill sounded like an absolute nutcase a lot of the time, though. Well, if you listen to how he sounded when he talked, it was, oh, I'm Winston Churchill. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that guy's crazy. Can't believe he got elected to sound like that. Yeah. The fun The fun thing is that every time I go to Jesse's house, I just show up in a towel with a cigar and just kick the door open and say, ah, you seem to have me at a disadvantage, Jesse. <laughs> This is true. Yes. Uh, Taco asks if it was uh, Churchill who saw Lincoln naked or reverse. It was in reverse. Churchill had just gotten out of the bath. Although I never heard the details. Maybe Lincoln was naked. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Very oh, interesting inter interaction. Never know. I do like that Lincoln's ghost showed up just to laugh at fat, naked Winston Churchill. <laughs> what are you going to do? But uh, Abe Lincoln. And if you win the stickers, you're going to get a sticker of fat Winston Churchill naked. <laughs> We will not. Clearly at a disadvantage. We will not be sending those out. So Abe Lincoln haunts the White House. Also, his son, Willie Lincoln, haunts the light, the White House. Also, he died in the White, the White House, the White House of typhoid fever. And he was seen by staff members of the Grant administration in the 1870s, which was significantly after he died there. Did you hear how that came about, though? So Mary Todd Lincoln was holding seances in the white house afterwards and he would show up and they also had a four-year-old son that had died and the four-year-old son would appear with willie sometimes as well oh really mm -hmm. but the, dude the white house is supposed to be so haunted like there's supposed to be so many things it isn't just lincoln it just isn't this kid ghost there's supposed to be so many they said that like every night you would hear like phantom singing coming from like the fireplaces and <laughs> noises people would hear people walk up to their bedroom door and just stand there they'd be like what is this person doing they'd go open the door and nobody's there all sorts of different hauntings knocks footsteps bumps in the night and then you have ghost sightings and you have extreme hauntings here yeah i mean it's a building that's like dave said it's so old it has so much energy so many things happen there good bad important it's it's crazy it's almost like a hotel like there's just so many people in and out at all times yeah but going back to your point there's so many prominent people and so many presidents that have reported on this um the most recent that i have heard was the obamas yep like michelle came out and started talking about like hearing people in the hallways talking and one of the creepier stories was that she i believe she said that they her and barack had people like gnawing at their feet while they were in bed jesus which is terrifying that is terrifying that is that's that is a remarkable story like that's imagine having that haunting in your house like oh yes the ghost was chewing on my feet again last night mm. it sounds like something a demon cat would do yeah that's a 10 by 10 foot by 10 foot demon cat move i would almost hope that it's a 10 foot by 10 foot demon cat imagine just waking up and seeing the ghost of an old man just chewing on your foot like done resigning from office yeah. i'm out <laughs> no. i'd be the best yeah. if it was the guy who originally owned the land what's what was his name mr burns, burns. who just keep because when he shows up he just keeps saying who he is he's like i'm mr burns what if he's just gnawing on your feet and then you look down and yeah. he just looks at you and goes 
I'm Mr. Burns. And then just keeps eating your feet. Mm. I like uh, I like how the ghost of Mr. Burns is basically just Rob, just angry and spiteful. Just the most spiteful person. That's not hey, true. There's a lot of people out there that would chew on feet and Rob is not one That's of them. True. That's true. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, his biggest fears in the world, sandpaper Why are we and doing feet. That? I think that's it, right? That's the list? Now the ocean. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. ocean and all of its oh, inhabitants. <laughs> There are some strange things in the ocean. Mm, there are. They don't have bones, all right? Like, we're talking about creatures that just don't have bones. Fish have bones. Like, what is an octopus? Why is that a thing? I don't know, Rob. I don't know. But we're talking about the white theory. <laughs> is it? Can, can I finish? Yeah. Because this is important. There's a theory that octopuses came to this planet on a comet. And it's it's a fact. It was a theory five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I like it. I'm all for that. Do what you will with that information. I'm all for that. Where, I thought you were going to like explain where this theory and why it's a fact. You know, I was thinking about how like the video said a few things. And I was like, I don't know if any of these are going to make me sound less crazy than I sound right now. So I just. <laughs> Octopuses are aliens. They just, they landed in the ocean. They're like, this is fine here. <laughs> I know. They just adapted. They, adapted. they just acclim immediately acclimated. If anyone can, it's an octopus, right? Yeah, they came from outer space yeah. and just like that, they were like, you know what? Salt water's fine. Yeah, I can, I can live here. Yeah. That makes also, there's ridiculous. giant squids. Like, that's a thing. There's giant squids in the ocean. You know where there are not mm -hmm. giant squids? In the, the White, White House. House. You don't White know that. House. Can you prove you don't, it? You don't make can you rules. prove that there's no giant squids in the White House? I don't have to prove that there are no giant squids in the White House. You. It sounds like you do. No. Uh, Taco asked for accepting live calls. Uh, we don't have that sort of technology set up, but if you wanted to, did anyone hear that noise in my house? It only happens when we're doing this show. I think it was the dog. I think the dog is dreaming, but there was a strange scream behind me. Oh. I'm sure my kids are fine. Anyway, screaming at sleep. It was like a yelp, but yeah, I don't know. The, the, the dog doesn't make noise. Squid. Yeah. Uh, but if you have a story, you can email it to us. We'll be reading out. Oh, speaking of which, we forgot to read out. Rob, did you get a ghost story ready or no? Oh, I did. Don't you we'll worry do it. about we'll it. We'll do it at the end. You did? All right. We'll do it at the end this time. Um, but yeah, you can you could send over personal stuff. I did have this idea. And as long as the quality isn't too bad, we can air them on the show. And I think you guys actually turned down this idea, but I'm going to go ahead and present it anyways. <laughs> if you guys have ghost stories that you actually are confident enough and uh, have a way to record it. You can either record a video or an audio clip of you telling your own ghost story. You could send it in and we can either mix it into the show or, you know, redo it ourselves if you want us to. So that's another way to send your ghost story and a more interesting way. If we get to hear some, uh, somebody actually tell their own ghost story, just keep it under like two minutes if you can, and we'll uh, possibly play it on the show. No guarantees though. This is coming from the person who wrote an eight minute ghost story for his last. The this is coming from the person who is a big stickler about the sound quality of everything we do. And you're asking people that. I just do think it. it's a nice idea. I think, I think it's, it's a nice, nice idea, idea too. You know what's a nice idea? The fact that octopuses probably are aliens and they came here on a comet. Andrew Jackson Every, is also they land in, in the White House. And they nod on your feet. Mm -hmm. You know that fountain outside of the White House? It's an octopus. That's where the octopus has landed. Yeah. Andrew Jackson is uh, another <laughs> ghost that supposedly haunts the queen's bedroom which is known as the rose room and he lets out a guttural laugh that has been heard in the white house since the 1860s mary todd lincoln claimed to have heard jackson stomping and swearing and this is actually how andrew jackson apparently behaved in real life he would always, always just stomping around and just yelling and cursing he was just just a had a hot temper apparently andrew jackson not a nice guy is what the uh the rumors about him are 
I, I can't get past that image of someone's I, I, very rarely do you see adults stomping around and swearing. It, it just sounds like such a toddler thing to do. It was just with, with his powdered wig on. <laughs> you need to have more class if you're going to wear a powdered wig, but I guess he wasn't a very classy guy. Yeah, no. Thomas Jefferson is another one that haunts, and he apparently is responsible for the phantom violin noise that comes out of the yellow oval room, which is something that numerous staff members have reported hearing and different people who have visited the White House have reported hearing phantom violin music coming from the yellow oval room, which is creepy. It's a creepy thing to hear. I think it's a that's de- yeah. It's a creepy. We can't undermine the fact that hearing like the violin is inherently creepy of an instrument, anyways. Right. And to hear that when there shouldn't be anyone playing a violin. Mm. It was funny you were doing on your uh, spooky ten song on Twitch, and we we're coming up with the least scary sounding instruments that you could possibly use in a song. Violin is definitely probably one of the most scary instruments, or it creates oh, for sure the scariest some of the scariest sounds if that's what you're going for. Yeah, our mother our mother briefly played the violin. Those might have been the scariest noises I've ever heard come out of an instrument. That wasn't very nice. <laughs> she knows. She knows that she's watching right now and she can confirm. Yep. Didn't go well. Yeah. The other thing is when a school hands 30 um recorders to a class of kindergartners, it just makes them all start playing it at the same time. Yeah, they should have used that as a tactic at Guantanamo Bay to get information out of prisoners. <laughs> taking no time <laughs> cruel and unusual can't do it yeah. william henry matthew, Tom- matthew thomas brings up that oh, speaking of temper tantrums is like when rob plays or sorry dies in video games yeah when, when has that ever happened every time it happens you stomp around your house in your powdered wig though <laughs> <laughs> until he gets into the kitchen and there's an octopus in there he just goes Shh. then he knows i don't know if you could ever prove that that's happened that there's an octopus in your kitchen? I definitely can't. That I've that. ever died in a video game. I think there's video proof out there somewhere. Mm, I don't think there is. There might not be. William Henry Harrison, who was the first president to die in the White House, haunts the attic. We obviously mentioned- you see the fatso that died in the tub? Or is that Taft? I don't know. And I don't want to get it wrong. So it was one or the other. Did they, did they die in the tub together? <laughs> With Benjamin Franklin? <laughs> <laughs> And and um and Winston Churchill <laughs> using him to have me at a disadvantage here. Oh, the White House was lit. Just, yeah. <laughs> if if Winston Churchill was in a maid's outfit, he would have seen Benjamin Franklin's ghost instead. Was this the inspiration that for jo- that joke has layers? Yeah. Never mind. We already talked about Abigail Adams, but her haunting is extra sad. I mean, perpetual laundry ghost sounds like not a great way to spend eternity, I think. Just no. her ghost is clad in lace cap and apron, forever doomed to walk back and forth with her loads of laundry. Not great. Why, why was she doing the laundry at the White House? Maybe she did her own laundry. Maybe she did her own laundry. Right. Similar to the haunting at the Menger Hotel, the ghost of, I think it was Sally. I think her name was Sally. But the ghost at the Menger Hotel, she was like forever moving from room to room, still doing her. But she was a maid. So Ninja. that was what she did in life. But similar. Yeah, which I think is a is a large number of hauntings, right? It's either occupational or daily, Re- yeah, residential, yeah, yeah, daily activities where you just go through and you're just like reliving monotonous tasks because you're just it's stuff you do every day. Yeah, think about how many times you like vacuum your floor or sweep your floor 
or wash your dishes. Yeah, exactly. Or... These are typically the hauntings that you don't have anything to worry about because this is just something or someone that's stuck in a loop, right? It's just doing this. It, it's not an intelligent haunting. It doesn't, it's not going to terrorize you. It doesn't know that things are happening around. It's just still going through the motions that it went through in life. The mm. ones you do have to be concerned about are the ones that are not doing that and the ones that are unpredictable. Intelligent hauntings. Still terrifying to come across though. Yeah, I mean, I feel like anytime you come across a ghost, it's scary, even if it's a well-intentioned ghost. Hmm. But Paul Smith says Taft didn't die in the bathtub, but he did get stuck, which is a much more funny story. Mm, it is. Um, and Harrison died from staying out in the cold for too long. That's you got to be better than that, man. That is not a way. Well, I mean, especially that's got to be president. a way a lot of people went back in the yeah. day. I mean, you, yeah, I don't know. That's something. I, I mean, maybe it's a, maybe it's a. It was a pre I mean, I don't know the situation where he was out in the cold for too long, but you got to think, you know, back George Washington and different presidents like that, they were out on the battlefield. You know, that this was, it was a whole different job of being president back in the day. I'm sure Abraham Lincoln was out and about during the Civil War and everything. Mm. So, true. You know, true, true. Could be out, outside longer than other presidents would be. The sad thing about the White House is like, it's one of those locations you're never going to be able to go stay in no. and try to experience this stuff yourself. But, the the flip side of that is just hearing the stories like we said from all these prominent people that have no reason to make this stuff up. Right. It's true. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure you could do tours of the White Houses. Uh, obviously, tours exist at the White House, so you could probably do that. But I mean, so rarely on on tours do you really have enough time to whip out your spirit box or start trying to do an EVP session. Yeah, or try to take a bath. Yeah. I don't think the tours they're doing there are ghost tours, and I don't know how easy it is to get into one of those tours. I don't know if they'll let just anyone do it because there has to be a like a vetting process to even get onto that property without an invitation. So who knows? Right. I, I don't think I don't think I've ever done a White House tour, but I would assume that's something that's probably reserved for schools and colleges and I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you can go buy a ticket and tour the White House, but I'm assuming there's a, a list. Right. Yeah, I assume too. But I didn't look into it, so I don't know. Some of the other ghosts that haunt this House is the ghost of Dolly Madison. Dolly Madison protects her ghost protects the Rose Garden. From what? I don't know, but that's that's the story. She protects the Rose Garden. Then there's an unnamed British soldier. So he haunts uh the White House grounds. He holds his ghost holds a torch, and allegedly he was one of the soldiers who perished during the War of 1812. I don't know how they know that. See, this, this is one of these situations where you have a haunting and you just got a British soldier, a vague British soldier, because he has no name, so they don't know who it is, but they how do you like how, how do you know he came from the war of 1812 and wasn't, you know, one of the British soldiers from the Revolutionary War? Maybe it's the way he's dressed, but still it seems like they know a little bit too much about this mm. ghost that they don't know anything about. Yeah, that one seems a little bit more like a legend to me than a authentic haunting. But what do I know? So do you want to know what you have to do to go on a white a White House tour? Sure. I do. Public tour requests are scheduled on a first come first served basis and must be submitted through a member of Congress and their congregation congressional tour coordinator. Constituents may reach your your member of Congress and congressional tour coordinates through the U.S. House of Representatives switchboard, and they give you the number. And it's like so it's literally an act of Congress to go tour the White House. I don't. That's a lot more steps than I was expecting. I figured it was like register online and pay a twenty five dollars fee like every other tour, but no. I, I mean, it makes it makes sense. You can't just have anyone in the White House, right? But it also doesn't make sense that it has to be an act of Congress. Like, don't you think they're busy? 
they, shouldn't they hire somebody like hire like a White House staffer to to manage these tours? Instead, they got like Congress doing it. I don't know. It should be an act of someone who works at the tour desk, not Congress. Right. You'd think. You would think. So David Burns is uh, another ghost that we had mentioned earlier. He haunts the White House. He was the owner of the land before George Washington pretty much forced him to sell it to the government. And he made that process not a whole lot of fun. Very spiteful. Waited till uh, George Washington's presidency was over until he actually ended up selling off all the land just to spite George Washington. So those two didn't get along. Pretty funny uh, story, actually, if you... I was able to read the whole thing and it was interesting. It's something that I hadn't known before researching this episode, but something I'm glad I do know is spiteful David Burns. This next one is the next two are actually the two most interesting hauntings, I think, of the of the White House. And the first one is the spirit. It's an unidentified 15-year-old boy, and they refer to it as the thing. And it greatly frightened the Taft domestic staff in 1911. So President Taft's military aide, Major Archibald Butt, wrote to his sister, Clara, the ghost, it seems, is a young man. Me and Rob just can't hold together. <laughs> so his name was Mr. Archibald Butt. <laughs> uh, Major Butt's in the bathtub again. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way they could take him seriously. It's Major Butt is again. Is that true? Is that so, Mr. Butt? Uh, Mr. Ball Butt. <laughs> All right, moving on. He wrote to his sister, Clara, the ghost, it seems, is a younger boy about 14 or 15 years old. They say that the first knowledge one has of the presence of the thing is a slight pressure on the shoulder, as if somebody were leaning over your shoulder to see what you might be doing. President Taft ordered Butt to tell the White House staff that the first member to repeat the stories about the thing would be fired. So the stories of this ghost got to be such a problem that the president had to threaten to fire his staff if they even brought it up. That's how wow. that's how big this story got at the White House. It brings me back to like presidents and, and and public officials not wanting to take the risk of talking about ghosts. And the president at this time was like, yeah, you talk about it, you're fired. So yeah, he signed mm -hmm. an order. Like <laughs> basically well, like, you know when the when the thing touches the butt, it's uncomfortable for everybody. Some people aren't ready for that. Butter Squatch says Major Butt led from behind. <laughs> Cody says it's the butt of every joke. This is Just good. get them all out now. Just go. <laughs> Just, Just go. <laughs> Just do it. You have to. Oh, boy. I mean, the sad part is it's such a terrifying story, right? It is terrifying when you start talking about this. You know, they're referring to it as the thing. It's like looms over your shoulder. Looms over your shoulder, and unfortunately, yeah. But so did Abraham Lincoln's ghost. They made this more terrifying by calling it the thing. Mm. Give him a name. They they know he's fifteen years. How do they know he's fifteen years old? Fourteen yeah, or fifteen. Yeah. So they must have a name. So just call, call him Carl. Don't call him the thing. Like that makes it so much more scary. <laughs> it does. I think that's why I found that so interesting. Mm. But the last ghost that uh, we're going to cover that haunts the White House is the ghost of Anna Surratt. And this haunting has a very interesting backstory. So Anna's mother, Mary Surratt, owned a townhouse in D.C. where she rented out the rooms as a boarding house. During the Civil War, Anna's brother, John Surratt Jr., became a Confederate spy and messenger. While engaging in these activities, he met a guy named John Wilkes Booth. And early in 1865, 
Booth became a frequent visitor to the boarding house. And other people later identified as Booth's co-conspirators also visited the boarding house regularly. If you're listening to this and you don't know who John Wilkes Booth is, he's the guy who assassinated President Lincoln in 1865. Allegedly. I think it's, yeah, allegedly, right? I don't want to get sued. Yeah, we don't want to get sued. So after President Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth, allegedly, and Secretary of State William H. Seward was stabbed on the same night, which I feel like that one gets skirted over a lot. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about that one so often, but not fair for uh, people not to mention poor William H. Seward, who was also stabbed on the night that Lincoln was shot. So authorities launched a massive manhunt for John Wilkes Booth and his conspirators. Within hours of the assassination, detectives arrived at the Surratt boarding house. They searched the house and questioned all 13 people they found. Both Mary and her son, John Jr., were suspected in connection with the murder, but John Jr. escaped. Mary was arrested three days after the assassination. Since Lincoln had been commander-in-chief of the army at the time, Secretary of War Edwin Stanton declared that the assassinations should be tried by a military court. So the defendants didn't have the advantage of a jury trial and instead were judged by a nine-member military commission, which was not good for them. So Mary claimed she had nothing to do with the conspiracy, but was convicted and sentenced to hang. And it didn't help that her she helped her son get away. So they, they looked at that as a conspiracy after the fact. So a request to commute her sentence to a life sentence rather than death, death given her age and gender. They didn't like to hang women back then. Um, that request, now, though. Now, well, yeah, now, now <laughs> they don't do that, apparently. But uh, we don't hang anyone now, which is, I think, pretty good. Uh, but her, her age and gender were given to, I'm sorry, the request to commute due to her age and gender was given to President Andrew Johnson, but he refused to sign it. So Mary was hanged on July 7th, 1865. Now, Mary's daughter, Anna Surratt, who died many years later, her ghost is the one that allegedly haunts the White House. And it can be seen banging or heard banging on doors to the White House, pleading to see President Andrew Johnson. So she was uh, there to beg for a pardon for her mother back when she was hanged. And now her ghost continues that today. That's sad and terrifying. Yeah. It's a scary one. It is. Interesting uh, conspiracy theory too. Mm. Stephanie brings up that uh, her great aunt was the last owner before it became a museum. Of what? The White House. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not sure. Yeah, clarify. Uh, that's that's interesting. I wonder if she's talking about the uh, Surratt House, the Surratt that Boarding be, House. That must be it. Yeah. That must be the one she's talking that about. That is interesting then. But those are the ghosts of the White House. Yeah, it's crazy. And we probably didn't even hit on all of them because there is so many different hauntings in that building. It's, again, sad. I would love to just, it's like, you don't have to have anyone in there. Just tell me a night that no one's going to be in there. In the White House, yeah, and let me. And let <laughs> I think me it's go, a pretty busy place. And let me go investigate. We, you guys busy tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, we are. <laughs> just you know, like on a night that nothing's really going on, you don't have like a lot. Just let us. Well, now I know how to make a request. I'm going to write my local congressman and see if I can get us in for a a ghost tour, ghost hunt. Yeah, yeah, that will happen. Good luck. Uh, Stephanie did clarify that it was the Surratt house that she was talking about, not the White House. That is really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Is there other locations you want to hit on that we talked about in the episode, or do you want to hit on some stuff that we didn't talk about in the episode? Well, uh, we hit. There was a lot of locations, and I planned on hitting, or my original plan was try and hit on all of them. But you know, mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time talking about the White House, so we could we could put together a uh, part two Washington D.C. for the future. But I think we can hit on a couple of these other ones if you guys wanted to. You guys have one sure. you want to talk about? Sure. Um, the Oak Hill Cemetery is has a pretty fun story. Hit us. So. Oak Hill Cemetery in Washington, D.C. was established in 1848. Visitors at the old cemetery report witnessing the apparition of a tall man wearing a top hat, believed to be the late President Abraham Lincoln, whose 11-year-old son is buried there. Here's the one that I find a little more interesting. Many also report witnessing a phantom hearse of unknown origin pulled by six headless horses. So that's terrifying. That is six headless horses. Six headless horses. What was the last? What was one of the? The last episode we were talking about a headless horse ghost and we were like we never covered a headless horse ghost before now they're just coming all out of the woodwork mm. all the headless ghosts were jealous and now they're showing up well at the borley rectory there was yeah, I think that might have been it they weren't headless horses though they were just the heads of horses they were bodiless horses no they were full-bodied ghost horses but the drivers of the carriage were headless were riders yeah People driving the carriage were headless. Mm. Sometimes. Sometimes they were not. Um, Lafayette Square is also pretty good. It's referred to as Tragedy Square. So Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. was used for a number of purposes during its history, including a cemetery, a slave market, and an encampment for soldiers during the War of 1812. One ghost believed to haunt Lafayette Square is that of a man named Philip Barton Key, who was shot to death by a United States congressman in February of 1859. After it was discovered, he was having an affair with the congressman's wife. Lafayette Square is sometimes referred to by the nickname Tragedy Square and is said to be haunted by a number of other identified ghosts and apparitions. Yeah, there's a lot here. This is one of the more popular haunted places in D.C. It was also the first or the location of the scene where the first case of temporary insanity was used. Well, that was the the son of Francis Scott Key, right, who was... He was the one who was killed, I think, mm. by the congressman. Robert, wasn't that the one you were just talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That would be the one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he pled he pled that he was temporarily insane because he didn't like being cuckolded and he shot his wife's lover and used this the temporary insanity plea and used it successfully. He actually got off on temporary yeah. insanity because of that. So he wasn't the first person to claim temporary insanity, but he was the first one to actually Successfully, successfully right use it yeah yeah that was an interesting one and i don't know if that was the best case of temporary insanity for just to set that precedent i feel like that's not a good reason to kill someone it's a good reason to be mad right right yeah i feel like more so like temporarily really pissed off and embarrassed yeah was more the case but you know had a good lawyer maybe the other guy was uh didn't have as good of a lawyer well the other guy was dead so didn't need a lawyer. <laughs> Maybe he's had a good lawyer. Maybe he had Ron Meshbesher. Who knows? Mm. It'd be the prosecutor that wasn't the good lawyer. There's also the old stone house, which I don't think you covered, correct? Correct. Um, the old stone house in Washington, D.C. was constructed in 1764, and it is known for being the oldest unaltered building in the city. It is said to be haunted by numerous spirits and apparitions who remain at the location for unknown reasons. One spirit, nicknamed George, is even said to attack visitors by kicking, scratching, or biting them. 
and many report feeling as if being followed or watched by an unseen entity. That is creepy. So, and there are many, many more locations in DC. Could easily do a part two. It might take a while for us to come back here, but I could definitely see us covering more DC in the future. Right. There are plenty more. Plenty more. Does George bite feet? Asked Papa Squatch. I'm not sure, but honestly, like when you have that many attacks or that scale of attacks, it could be something demonic. Could be. Could be a 10 foot by 10 foot demon cat. So Paul, Paul Smith uh, came in with, he said, uh, Sickles later, Sickles was the guy who used the temporary insanity defense and got off. He later became a general in the Civil, Civil War and lost a leg at Gettysburg. So there's your karma coming around full circle. Well, DC was a lot of fun. Do we want to Why don't we do, do our user ghost story? Yeah, let's do that. And then we'll put DC on the back burner for a potential um, part two. And I think it's a good idea because the, you know, our brother, our youngest brother lives, you know, a half hour from DC. So the odds of us being down there again is uh, pretty much yeah, definite. One of them, if we were to hit it again, we could probably set up a live investigation somewhere. Hmm. Somewhere we'll see how many pull, how many strings Rob can pull to make it happen at the White House, yeah. but let's not. Uh, well, what would probably what, what what probably ends up happening is we get a room at the Hay Adams Hotel and see if we can do an investigation there. That would probably be the play. That'd be cool. I also went somewhere last week. I went to Manhattan for a night mm. last week, and while we were walking, um, I passed this building. It might have been twenty stories up, but the top floor. Every window had red lights, like my like my background, just shining out of the window. And I turned to my friend Pat, who lives like close. I'm like, "Hey, what is that building up there?" He's like, "I have no idea." I'm like, "Well, that's something I need to figure out at some point because that looks terrifying." So could be nothing, but if you know what that building is in Manhattan, please let me know because I'm very curious. Yeah, I got no idea as to what the red lights are that are going on. Um, anyways, our user submitted ghost story comes from Tom W and he submitted this to us via discord. So if you're not in our discord, jump in the discord. There's a link in the show, either listening to it on YouTube or via podcast. You can find a link to the discord and we have a whole tab where people just share their ghost stories. And this one is a, I found this one to be an interesting one. So he wrote, so here's the thing that's been happening lately. When I was 16, my mom passed away around 3 a.m. And now I'm 40. And one of the things my mom did throughout my childhood was drink hot tea. So for the past week, I've been waking up at 3 a.m. because I would hear a tea kettle whistling. I thought I was dreaming, but I would walk to the kitchen and I would see something sitting at the table drinking tea. It looked like a younger version of my mom and it would be talking in my direction. And when I, when I would get closer, it would vanish, and it's strange because I'm in a place far from where the last house my mom lived in, and it's been over 20 years since she's passed. And this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. It's cool, but it's creepy at the same time. Hmm, that is creepy. I, I mean, mm-hmm. but I like that one. That's a good. That's a good story. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously creepy because you're waking up at 3 a.m. to a whistling tea kettle. You're walking into the kitchen. There's a shadow figure sitting at the table, but it turns out to look like a version of your mom before it disappears. Like there's a creepiness, but like, a maybe it's like a, clo- I don't want to say closure, but like just the familiarness that probably is, you know, endearing as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's one of those ones where you you always wonder if your loved ones after they pass are watching over you one way or another. And that's one of those stories that might suggest that they do. So mm-hmm. we like to hear them. And keep sending in your ghost stories. We will read them every week with your permission. Yeah. So also, yeah. if you send over your ghost story, we are going to assume that it is with permission to share. And we're just going to share it. No, Don't you that's think? not true. Because some, some people might just want to share it to share it, you know? So let's let's. How about this? Send us your ghost stories. And if you don't want us to share it, say that. Yeah, let us yes. know. That way we don't have yes. to, because sometimes, you know, most people are responsive when we ask for permission, but make it a little bit easier. One last step if we could put it together. So uh, let's thank our patrons real quick. We have Allison V, Jeannie R, Justin T. We have Justin T twice. So Justin, uh, double check and make sure that I mean, if you want to be a VIP twice, that's great. But I see two of you here. So uh, if you accidentally are paying twice, then go ahead and check that out. But our VIPs are Allison V, Jeannie R, Justin T, Justin T, Lisa J, Mike B, Mom and Pops W, Robert H, Stephen V, Demon King, Demon King, and Irish Assassin Gaming. Thank you so much to our VIPs. For the rest of you, we have Amby Rose, Annie C, uh, Anna C, Even Better Hometown Ghost Stories, Garrett, Lily, IDGIF batch. We have Jake V, Janice G, Marfire, Rachel B, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Al Capone, Anthony T, Ashley M, Brandon W, Brennan B, Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Huggy Bear, Joe R, Carrie Lee J, Mark M, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Paul from St. Louis, Sarah R, Scotty L, Solar Flare, Soph M. We have uh, Hooper as well, and we have another $25 donation from Demon King. Thank you so much. Demon King, appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for that donation. How many ghost stories can we share? Asks Anna C. You can share uh, literally all of them. Yep. Yes. As many as you like. Keep them coming. Um, and I want to get through some of our re- five-star reviews. We got a lot. I'm not going to do all of them right now. I'm going to save one or two for next week. But the first one is from John from Oak Forest is the name. It's titled Awesomeness. So I highly enjoy your show. I will listen to I listen to it every chance I get. Uh, I have a couple places for you guys to check out. Bachelor's Grove in Midlothian, Illinois, with many tales of Al Capone dumping bodies in the lake, two orbs over the lake itself, to a disappearing black car, and a vanishing house that goes deep into the forest as you get lost. Then there's also the tale about the guy with the hook, which we don't know if it's true or not, which I want to know what the guy with the hook is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard guy with the hook tales before, but maybe this one's different. And my friend's mother has caught pictures of a colonial revolutionary figure. And her friend has caught the most famous picture from Bachelor's Grove of a sitting woman on a tombstone and then resurrection cemetery. All right. So let's just stop there for a second. If you have that picture, please send it over to us so that Mm. I can take a look at it. And then there's also resurrection cemetery in Justice, Illinois, where my mom is actually buried. And the rumors of Bloody Mary or Resurrection Mary as she walks down Archer Ave and the whole tale about her trying to find her grave that has since been lost to the expansion of the cemetery. I don't know if you guys covered this before, but I'd love to hear it in future episodes. Love your show. Continue ghosting on. So Resurrection Mary is one of the ghosts that has made me want to figure out how I want to attack hitchhiking ghosts. Like if I want to do a side content episode or do sort of a road trip episode where we talk about a bunch of different we can uh, just attack hitchhikers i was yeah, gonna say why don't you also, don't attack the hitchhiker ghosts most of them are probably ghosts <laughs> from being attacked in the first place <laughs> rob gets arrested after the first one You're like rob that wasn't a ghost that was a person 
You just want to ride. You know, we we do what we got to do to make the show interesting. Competition has just heated up as Matthew T has just dropped a $50 <laughs> donation in chat. You guys are out of your minds. I appreciate you so much. Aye, aye, aye. Matthew T with the top donation of the day, dropping $50 in super chat. You are a psychopath and we love you. So thank you for that. <laughs> Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. Al Capone says I dumped nobodies. So <laughs> I believe him. Take that for what it's worth. I don't think he would have been the one dumping the bodies. I think he had other people doing it. So the other, the next one is from Buck. Best ghost haunting, best ghost hauntings podcast ever. This podcast is great. I listen to pretty much nothing but podcasts of all kinds. And this is about the only one that I want to listen to as soon as it's posted. These guys do a great job of telling you about spooky locations while keeping you entertained the whole time. Keep up the great work, guys. Awesome. Thank you for that. This battle needs to relax. No way. No way. Oh, my God. Deep. <laughs> We have to put a lid on it. Like we're gonna get we're gonna get letters from spouses soon, but Demon King drops $70 in super chat to take back the crown. He says you cannot handle the smoke to Matthew T. This is a battle of the ages. And uh folks, I'm sorry, we're gonna do another hour of the show. So <laughs> this one's from Noir Tulip. It's a heart for the title. Love the ghost stories and all the history. One of my favorite shows, short, sweet, to the point, and we still love that. That still helps us out a ton. So thank you for that review. And the last one I'm going to read is from Dubo, titled Great Show. Thank you for your hard work and dedication to this show. You guys are great. I love hearing the history of the hauntings and the banter between you all. So thank you for leaving that review as well. Um, again, you could do what Matthew and Demon King do <laughs> to support the show, which is amazing. Or if you want to do it a cheaper way, you leave us a five-star review, you leave comments, you do all that stuff. It takes you five to 10 seconds and it helps way more than you know. Um, but exactly. Matthew and Demon King are helping quite a bit as well tonight. Yeah, it helps a lot. So thank you guys again. That's that's so awesome. But yeah, leave a review if you haven't already. Five stars on iTunes helps a lot. You can also leave a five star on Spotify. And if you're one of those audio listeners who don't listen on an Apple podcast and want to get your comments about the show, Right out, just uh, send us an email, hometownghoststories at gmail, or join the Discord. And I think that'll pretty much do it. What do you got coming up on uh, Friday there, gentlemen? We have a Dark Mysteries episode coming up for Friday, and then there will be another movie review the following Friday. I think that'll pretty much do it for tonight. Anything else, gentlemen? No, sir. That's going to do it for me. Stay away from 10 by 10 foot by 10 foot cats. Draw us your 10 foot by 10 foot cat <laughs> and send it to us. Send it on Discord. Send it to our email send it on facebook however you want to send it to us we will pick the best one and oh 100 we'll share all of them on discord for sure a rare ipa uh that we've never heard of comes back with another two dollars in super chat says donate responsibly thank you so much to a rare ipa that's 22 dollars from rare ipa today so thank you so much <laughs> that is enough for at least 42 miller lights and uh ron meshbesher also donated ten dollars so thank you to him matthew t and demon king our top donators for the day and i believe demon king closed it out with the victory there but thank you guys so much you don't have to do what you do we appreciate everybody else who's hanging out watching in live chat thank you guys so much and we will see you on friday for a dark mystery we'll be back tuesday at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time as we are every single week. We'll see you guys next time.